Hallelujah. Let's continue to do that all across this building. Hallelujah. Are there any folks that on a Wednesday night you come to praise Jesus? Hallelujah. Let's give them a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can get free right now. You can get liberated right now. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be, be in the house of the Lord. Turn your neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you in church here tonight. Amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to have Sister Jeanette back home in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. Praise God. Welcome home. Also good to have Brother and Sister Lavin back home. They were out struggling in Hawaii, so we prayed for them and uh, had a time of fasting for them. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. We had a little Hawaii on Sunday. There was a, We were enjoying a time at the park with some food, and they had a whole Hawaiian band playing. And I thought, man, we all felt... We all felt the call and thought the Lavins are already there, so they'd just be our forward advance team. Amen. And we'll just have revival in Hawaii. Amen. No, I'm kidding. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. How many loves do they feel? Hallelujah. Amen. Thankful for what God did on Sunday and the move of God. I still feel his presence in this place. Amen. We're going to go uh, and just kind of recap here tonight. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, just kind of have the book of Genesis open. Uh, we're going to be getting through here, but just kind of get to the book of Genesis, that way you have it ready, hallelujah, amen, so after the flood, Noah's ark settled on Mount Ararat, and the earth was cleansed, and Noah's family began their new life, this is Old Testament typology, that we, who at one time were dead in our sins and our trespasses, that when we repent of our sins, we are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that we walk in newness of life. When they got off the boat, it was a completely new earth. There, there, was, there was nothing the same. The rivers were different. The, the topography was different, geography was different, all of that stuff. And so they got off. Wickedness and evil had been erased from off the earth. God had baptized the earth. Amen. But yet he had not totally and completely yet baptized mankind. And so wickedness was off the earth, but it was not out of the heart of man. And this is what Peter tells us baptism does. It is the answer of a good conscience towards God. And when they get off the boat, they immediately began to build an altar and a sacrifice to the Lord. And after this sacrifice, the Bible says it arose a sweet savor unto the Lord. And God proposed a new covenant between Noah and himself. And in the terms of this covenant, 
We talked about it in Genesis chapter 9 uh, that, number one, one of the terms of this is that the animals would now have a fear of man. Before this, we can rightly assume there was no fear of man. Secondly, prior to the flood, man's diet had been vegetarian, but God now granted to them that they were, to, they were allowed to eat meat. And all my carnivores said, Amen. Amen. Verse 4, men were not allowed to eat and to drink blood. This is, this is a prohibition before the law, during the law, and even in the New Testament church. And when we get to the New Testament church, we'll talk a little bit about that. And when we get to the law, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but suffice it to say, Leviticus 17.11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. And blood was not given for us to ingest or to eat. He says, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And so God said no. Secondly, and then finally, um, the last two things, he said capital punishment. That if you were to slay man, by man you will be slain. Now, this is God helping to develop and form human government. This is not God instituting a law in the sense of what we will have at Mount Sinai. But he is, he is letting them know that there has got to be some civilization. God is taking a world that is completely washed away. And he is instituting a new form of government. This is God without giving strict and specific laws. I want you to notice there's a correlation here between Noah coming out of the ark and having spirit-given laws and the New Testament church that is given spirit-given laws. In fact, like I've said, some of these laws are similar, not to eat things strangled or, or offered to idols. And this idea of capital punishment was now permissible in, in the sense of that if you were to take out somebody that they had, they were going to come out after you. This is the start of civilization. And then finally, in verse 11, no more worldwide flood, which for everybody that just came out of the flood, what a great promise that was. To seal this covenant, God gave a sign of the rainbow. Every rainbow is a colorful reminder of God's covenant, and in return, man's duty was to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. Their job was this, you're saved, now go produce. This is exactly the same call to the church of the living God. You're saved, now go reproduce. Amen. And I, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent because I am just trying to recap, but I will say that the, 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 sign, the initial sign of you and I receiving the Holy Ghost is that we speak in other tongues. But the purpose in which we were given the Holy Ghost in Acts 1 and 8 says that he will give us the Holy Ghost and give us power to become witnesses unto him in all the world. And so we are not saved strictly to just hold on till Jesus comes. We are saved so we can go back into the fire and pull somebody else out. We, would, we have been saved and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we can then go back and find somebody else that needs baptism in Jesus' name and needs the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I, I have, I've discovered that so many people, they get frustrated in their walk with God and they think there's got to be more and they start feeling stunted. Amen. I want to tell you, you will consistently feel stunted in your walk with God if you do not reproduce and disciple somebody else. Amen. There is no more frustrating part 
in living in living for God, if, if then the person that is not reproducing what God has done in their life. You become a reservoir instead of being a river that is flowing. Amen. And, and stagnant waters instead of a living waters. And we are meant to be living waters. And everybody said amen. So this this began the new dispensation of human government. In addition to the guidance of man's conscience, he received definite laws of conduct. Men became responsible for governing one another. Because man's spirit was dead, he was forced to govern through the soul, the unconverted, unsaved soul. We already know that this system, this dispensation, is not sufficient. It will not work in the long run. But this is God progressing. And each of these stages through the Bible, each of these dispensations, is man using their best attempt through human means to, uh, to acquire salvation or to somehow govern themselves. But we're going to find through the scriptures it doesn't work. We can't do it without the help of God. God told Noah and his family to replenish the earth, but instead, as you look in Genesis 11, they decided we're going to build a tower and we're going to build a city and we're going to call it Babel. And Nimrod, the Bible says, who was a mighty man, mighty hunter before the Lord, uh, who there's a lot of history there. This is the start of Babylon, the start of all false religion, the start of astronomy and astrology. And, of course, the first thing they thought to do is let's build a tower that its top may reach into heaven. This is humanism at its very base form. We are going to find our own way into heaven through our own means, through our own governing. We are going to make it to heaven without the help of God. This shows a few things. Number one, they did not trust or believe God's covenant or God's promise. And secondly, they did not uphold their side of God's covenant or God's bargain. Now, I want to throw it out there. Every time God makes a covenant, you can, you can mark it down. God will always be faithful to his side. Every time, every single time, God fulfills his end of the bargain. God fulfills his end of the covenant. And then he puts the ball in the court of mankind, and we often drop it. Amen. But God is gracious and God is merciful. So God said, I'm not going to flood the earth. Here's a sign. I'm going to put my bow in the cloud. I'm going to do all these things for you. Now, here's your responsibility for this covenant. Go and populate the entire earth. And they start going. And they start spreading. And they find Shinar. And they find a plain. And they thought, man, this is a pretty nice spot. Let's stop here. And let's build a city. Let's build a tower. And let's make a name for ourselves. This is self-worship's very beginning. Let's worship ourselves. Let's worship mankind. And there are a lot of people, a lot of congregations across the United States and across the world that might have church in the name, but they are humanism wrapped up in a Bible verse. Humanism says the end of all being is the glory of man. This is why every sermon is about you, your blessing, your breakthrough. It's all about you. God came to serve you. Now, now I want to tell you, we've already talked about a lot. God loves you. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's what can God do for you? God has become a genie. He's become a vending machine. That's humanism. God serves man. But, but true Christianity is God doesn't serve man. Man serves God. Amen. God does not worship man. 
men worship God. And this is the start. They thought, we will, we will build a tower in a city and build a name for ourselves, and this will become the pinnacle of all, of all religion. In fact, if you want to create a God uh, that, 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 you can, that you can worship the way you want to worship, that's basically Babylon. It's tower building. And in this, God looks down. They are all with one speech. They're all with one mind. And he saw they're going to accomplish anything that they set about to do. This idea of let's conform and let's be uniform and let's disobey God and let's get to heaven without God. God, although, let me just say this, there's no way they would have made it to literal heaven without, without the help of God. But he knew that they will never stop trying. They will never stop building. This is a counterfeit gospel. We aren't going to, we're afraid he's going to flood the earth again. We're not going to go back to the biblical model. We're not going to build another ark. We're going to build a tower. Amen. It's a counterfeit gospel. And we've got our entire generation is building towers today. They are afraid of the end of the world. They're afraid of global warming. The Bible even says the earth will melt with a fervent heat. This whole thing is going to wrap up. And so what are they desiring? They're desiring spiritual things. They want a new heaven and a new earth, but they want to go about it the human way. Elon Musk wants to build a colony on Mars, a new heaven and a new earth. He wants to do it without God. This is just one example of many different ways. People that don't feel comfortable in their own skin, they recognize there's something wrong with me. And instead of repenting and being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, being born again, they're saying, I need some hormone blockers. And I, I've got to be born again a different way. And I've got to change my name instead of changing my nature. It's just a counterfeit gospel. It's Babel. It's building towers. It's building a city. It's humanism. And this is the very beginning of this. And God came down and said, no, this is not going to save man. And I thank God for his grace. Amen. The grace of God sees our way is not going to work. Our way is going to end up leaving us lost, and he stops us. Amen. It's the very thing that God put an angel that guarded the way to the tree of life, lest they eat and live forever in their condition. God knew if I leave the tree of life available, they'll eat it, and now they won't suffer the consequences of sin, which is death, but they'll never get out of, of the nature of sin, and they will live forever in this condition. So God blocked it, and God stopped it, and he looked towards mankind at Babel, and he saw they're trying to build their own way to heaven, and it's not going to work, and they're going to stay forever in their condition, and it won't fulfill my master plan of salvation upon the earth that the gospel would go around the world because they're going to stay in Babylon. So I've got to stop them. God comes down and he confounds their language. This is what human government did. Human government said, we're going to try to govern ourselves, and they tried to save themselves, and they tried to make their own way to heaven, and it did not work. What, and so God accomplished in judgment the dispersion that he had asked them to do in the first place. And we talked about last week, this was replicated by God and reversed in Acts chapter 2. You have human government, which did not work, which did not lead to heaven, which built towers and built a city and built a name for themselves. And it did not lead them closer to heaven. And it did not lead them closer to God. It led them further from God. It led them into false religion. 
But in Acts chapter 2, they were at Jerusalem, and they were having a prayer meeting. They were men out of every nation under heaven. In Genesis 11, God confounded the language because human government didn't work. And in Acts chapter 2, he started the institution of spirit government. Hallelujah. Human government was not going to get them to heaven, but spirit government would. And so God took people of different languages, of different nationalities, and he poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, and he unified their language. The same God that dispersed the language in Genesis 11 unified the languages in Acts chapter 2, and he brought about a new governmental authority, the government of the Spirit of God. Amen. Human and self-government was not enough. We need spiritual government. If you have your Bibles, we'll just turn quickly to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5 and 16 says this, Paul writing, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh amen church it is imperative that we walk in the spirit you can't walk in the spirit if you've not received the spirit you got to receive the holy ghost if you ever going to walk in the holy ghost well preacher how am i going to quit this how am i going to stop doing that how am i going to you need the holy ghost there's you can't do it by human government by self-government you need the governing of the spirit and if you walk in the spirit you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. There's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. Human government, self-government, humanism, end of all being is the glory of man, is in direct opposition to spirit-led Christianity that says the end of all being is the glory of God, that I want to please him that has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, so that you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led by the Spirit, you are no longer under that law. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you are no longer under the governmental authority of self. You are no longer under the governmental authority of your flesh. Hallelujah. You can finally tell your flesh no. And you finally have the power to say, I'm not drinking that. I'm not smoking that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not talking like that. I'm not listening to that. Why? Because I'm governed by a greater authority than my flesh. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. Amen. The governmental authority of the Spirit. And everybody said amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And we'll continue on. Took a little longer on my recap than I wanted to, but I had to get that across. You need the Spirit. That is the biblical model. If not, you will create towers. If not, you will build idols. If not, you will create false worship and call it God. And that's what Babylon always is. They are the house of false worship. When you look in the book of Revelations, uh, when it talks about Babylon, it's the, it's, it is the spirit of false religion. And there is, and it's, it's alive and well. You don't need to go to the Middle East to go to Babylon. You just, you just tune into Hollywood. That's Babylon. You turn into the NFL. That's Babylon. It's, it's worshiping man. Amen. Genesis chapter 12. So this is God's response 
to Babylon. He disperses mankind. In Genesis chapter 12, in verse number 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance and that they had gathered and all the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. Amen. 400 years after the flood, God, after dispersing Babel and after civilization started to come to being, God again starts instituting his plan to bring about the Messiah. Amen. What he started all the way back after the fall of man, because God already had a plan before man ever fell. And 400 years after the flood, God called a man by the name of Abram to travel by faith into an undisclosed distant land. Abram's call was a personal summons for separation. I believe as many times God was calling to many people in his generation, but it was Abram that said yes. Amen. Some people, well, why did God call the Jewish people? God, God would have made the Jewish people out of anybody that would have said yes to the call of God. He could have used anybody other than Noah, but it was Noah that responded to grace. And God could have called to anybody else. He could have called to, to, to Abram's father, Terah. If Terah would have answered, I believe God would have called to him. But God called specifically, and Abram answered this call of separation. In this grossly idolatrous world, idolatry did not stop at Babylon. It spread from Babylon. It started in Babylon, but then it started spreading the idea that we can create gods and we can create towers and we can, we can, we can worship the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all these other things. It started back in Babylon. And God calls Abram out of this idolatrous world. And Abram is now being called to teach his family, who in turn would teach their families about the one true living God that called to him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And we find in the scriptures, Abram did leave the country, but he did not leave all of his kindred behind like God had told him to. The Bible says he took his nephew Lot with him. Failing to do the complete will of God resulted in negative consequences for Abram and his descendants for centuries to come. Abram and Lot became very rich in herds and flocks. They became too big to dwell together, and strife began between them. And this, this disobedience that didn't seem like much, God said, leave everything behind. And let me just say this. We're going to talk about this here tonight. When God calls you out, it's not easy. The call of God is not easy. It is, it is not always simple. It can be quite complicated. But we have got to obey God because disobedience always results in strife. And there is a lesson in this. And we'll talk about Lot at another time and have an entire Bible study for those who understand Lot. But, but there is a lesson in this. When God tells you to leave it behind, you leave it behind. 
When God says, let it go, you let it go. When God says, get rid of it, you get rid of it. I've just come to tell somebody, you got to leave Lot. Amen. Because Lot ends up getting Abram into all sorts of wars that he never would have been involved in. His job was to go into a land that God was going to show him. His job was to be blessed. His job was to be a blessing. His job was to obey and to follow the will of God. And now he's fighting Lot's battles. And now he's going to rescue Lot. And now he's having to have prayer meetings about Lot's salvation when he should be focused on obeying the word of the Lord. Amen. Chapter 13 and verse number 8 through 9. There's strife when you take Lot with you. Amen. When you don't separate the way God tells you to separate, there's always going to be some contention. Amen. Verse 8, Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Now notice this. Abram says, Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will take the right. If that will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Abram tries to smooth over the negative that he's caused through his disobedience, the strife that would have never been there if he'd have left Lot. And again, we'll talk about Lot another time. But notice this. He tried to get Lot to separate himself. But who did God tell to separate? Abram. You separate yourself. But God didn't call Lot to separate himself. God called Abram to be the one doing the separating. Separation from the familiar surroundings meant leaving his parents, leaving his family, leaving everything behind. Often we must separate ourselves from the plans and wishes of our loved ones, of our friends, of our acquaintances. Like Abram, we must walk by faith guided by God. And, and, and a walk with God often does not include other people. And I've found whenever God calls to somebody, there are a few areas where they're going to immediately encounter some resistance. The first area of resistance uh, is, is obviously going to be demonic resistance. The devil does not want you to be saved. He does not want you following God. He's going to throw everything and the kitchen sink at you. Amen. And anybody that's ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you first get saved and you first start walking with God, you had no, no, it wasn't that you didn't have any problems, but the problems were not as apparent. And all of a sudden, you start living for God. I've seen it a thousand times. I baptize somebody and all hell breaks loose. I will tell you what that is, and we'll get to it eventually. The moment they got out of Egypt and Pharaoh recognized he was about to lose his slaves, he said, I'm going to go after them. The moment the devil thinks he's going to lose you, he's going to throw every bit of his army after you. And he's going to try. He's going to try to resist you. But I want to tell you the biblical model is this. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Hey, you can resist the devil. Hey, you can resist the adversary. You can resist that old devil trying to pull you back into sin and pull you back into what God brought you out of. You can resist. I rebuke this idea. Well, I'm not strong enough. You're right. You're not strong enough by yourself. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. You can resist the devil. But the next levels of resistance are a little trickier. Because everybody hates the devil. I'm convinced even the devil hates the devil. I don't know. I just everybody hates the devil. He's just he's just he's the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to tempt and then uh, make us feel condemned for what we've done. But the next layers are family and friends. Those are a lot harder because we have relationships with people and we love our family and we love our friends. But you, you better believe, and, and there, I guarantee if I pass the mic around, I guarantee just about everybody's got this testimony. You get saved and all of a sudden your family or your friends become theologians. My parents just sitting around and, and you know, smoking pot and all of a sudden they're telling me, hey, you should be a little careful in that church all of a sudden I'm like actually going to school and I'm actually treating them with respect and I'm actually trying to get better and I'm no longer depressed and suicidal and I'm not talking about killing myself anymore and I'm not attempting to kill myself anymore and all of a sudden my my parents become theologians and well you know I don't know about that whole Pentecost deal and uh, friends said, said, well, we didn't mind when you came to the party, but, you know, I'm not about that church deal. And if you're going to be doing that church thing, and, and I just don't know if we're going to be able to be friends. I've already walked down this road. I've been there myself. Uh, I got baptized, and my father told me I was stupid for being baptized. And it hurt at the beginning. I didn't realize because I thought it was just everybody wanted me to be saved. That's not true. Not everybody wants you to be saved. You're, well, they love me. They, they love a version of you. They love the version of you they have control over. They love the broken version of you. Not everybody's got your best interest at heart. And they resist the call. The call that says you gotta, you got to leave that behind. It, and it's all, it's all fine as long as you keep being the same you. As long as you walk the way Abram used to walk and you talk the way Abram used to talk and, and you go and do all the things and you show up at all of the parties. And, and But the moment you throw the beer bottle out, whoa, hey, you might be in a cult. The moment, the moment you wake up and remember your name, hey, brother, I don't know. But they didn't care when you were getting DUIs and they didn't care when you were, when you were getting arrested. And, and, I had friends that, that, you know, and I will say there's the other side of the coin. There's family that will follow you. There's the lots that will follow you. There's, there are the friends that will follow you. But I had friends say, you know, you're going to church. It's just not going to work for me. And I tried to bring them. But if I have to choose, and I told them I don't want to choose. I, man, I'd love to keep you as a friend. But if I have to choose between you and Jesus, I'm choosing Jesus every time. I love my family, but if I have to choose between them and Jesus, I'm choosing Jesus. I love my friends, but if I have to choose between my friends and Jesus, I've already made it up in my mind, I'm choosing Jesus. Hallelujah. And there's a bright side of this. If you'll obey God, the very friends and family that resisted you in the beginning will follow you in the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That same father that said I was stupid for being baptized came in my room, and I taught him a Bible study, and on a Wednesday night service, we baptized him in Jesus' name. I said, Dad, we're stupid together. Hallelujah. Amen. And there's no greater thing than living for God. The same friends that said, I don't want to follow you, when they hit on hard times, they came to church with me. Amen. And they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we baptized them in Jesus' name. I want to tell you, you just keep living for God. You just keep walking for God. You keep walking by faith. Hallelujah. Separation is the call of God. And I'm going to talk about this for a little while tonight. The, the, very, the very call of God in, in general is to, uh, the call to separation. The church, which is the ecclesia, simply means the called out ones. You and I, being part of the church, we are part of the called out ones. If you are going to be part of the church, you are called to separation. Which, what does that mean? What that means, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 Second Corinthians chapter six. In fact, let's go back a little bit further. Let's go to verse 14. This is the call of God. Everyone that is called out of this world, called out of sin, you're called to separation. Amen. This is the call for every believer. Verse 14 of Second Corinthians chapter six. Be not unequally yoked. Don't be linked up with, together with unbelievers. This, there's a difference between working with them and being linked up with them. There's a difference between going to school with them and being linked up with them. There's a difference between uh, having them as a co-worker and dating them. There's a big difference here, amen, when you connect and link up. Because we can't leave the world. The world's full of sinners. We're not trying to, we're not trying to be apostolic Amish. We're not trying to go seclude ourselves. We're not called to isolation. We're called to separation. Amen. And there's a difference. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? These are rhetorical questions. The answer should be none. And what communion has light with darkness? If we turn off the lights, amen, darkness seems to fill the house. But the moment you turn on one light, darkness cannot comprehend it, and it runs. They are absolute polar opposites. Amen. What concord has Christ with Belial or the devil? None. There is no connection. There is no communion. What part has he that believes with an infidel or an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple. Here's where he connects it all. The temple of God should have no connection with idolatry. And he connects it this way. He says, you, you, the called out ones, the church, the ecclesia, you and I are the temple of the living God. Amen. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. When you get a revelation, I'm part of the church, honey. I'm part of the called out ones. I'm part of the separated ones. I'm not supposed to be like the world. I'm not supposed to talk like the world, live like the world, 
dress like the world, act like the world. I'm not supposed to watch what the world watches, listen to what the world listens to. I'm not supposed to, amen, think like the world. I'm not supposed to have ideals like the world. I'm not supposed to worship like the world. I'm not supposed to have hobbies like the world. Every part of me has got to be separate, as separate as light is from dark, as separate as Christ is from the devil, as separated as the church of the living God is from idols in this world. We've been called out, and we are the temple of the Holy Ghost in whom the Spirit of God dwells. I want to tell you, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you get a revelation. One of the first revelations you get is, I'm not like that. And if you are like that, there's a feeling, a pulling, and don't resist that call. It's the call out. It's the call of separation that starts saying, you know what, I need to stop listening to that. Nobody preached uh, to me at the time. I had, they eventually preached about it. But pastor hadn't got around and said, you need, you need to get rid of your television. You need to stop watching all this junk. Uh, we, we didn't have iPhones and all of that yet. We didn't have YouTube yet. But, but nobody had to say that. I remember coming home from a Wednesday night service, and Pastor taught about, I don't even remember what he taught about, uh, but, but I'm sure it was good. Amen. And I got there, and my parents are sitting around watching, amen, whatever they're watching, and I sit down with them, and the Holy Ghost inside me started stirring up and said, you know, you don't belong in this environment. This, this is not for you. You don't need to be listening to this and watching this. And, and I could have very easily said, what's the big deal? But I didn't. I said, God, you're calling me closer to you. You're calling me out of the world. And I stepped out and said, you know what? This is not for me. I'm just not, not going to watch that. Nobody told me nothing. It was the Holy Ghost on the inside that started calling to me. And you got to heed those things. you got to heed the voice of God. The, the voice of God will start speaking to people on individual basis. Amen. That there are things that you got to separate yourself from. I remember going to a party. Amen. I wasn't going to the party. I got done with church on Wednesday night. And I've told this story before. But I said, drop me off at my brother's house. And everybody's drinking Bacardi. And everybody's getting, everybody's getting high. And I'm just sitting in there. And I'll never forget the Holy Ghost inside me. I was new. Forgive me. I wasn't preaching yet. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't anything yet. I was just a brand new convert. And I remember the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, inside this temple saying, you don't belong here. Well, you should be able to quote scriptures. I didn't know one scripture. I, 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 I'd barely got, been given a Bible. I think I'd open it one time. Amen. It was still had the cellophane wrap around it. Amen. Uh, but I remember the Holy Ghost speaking to me, you don't belong here. And I stood up and said, I don't belong here and started walking out. And my brother followed me out of the party. When God calls you out, he calls you to separate yourself. Amen. Verse 17. Wherefore, because you're the temple of the Spirit, because you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, for that very reason... This is what Paul deduced. Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among them. Amen. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. When God calls us out, he calls us to separation. I want to say this, separation is not isolation. Isolation says I'm going, to, I'm going to remove myself from everybody, from everything, and I'm going to go live in a monastery. That is not in the Bible. You are not called to be a monk. That is not in the Bible. You're not called to be a monk. You're not called to be a hermit. You're called out of the world to be part 
of the called out ones. Every call of God is individual. And that individual call joins the collective call. Amen. You and I are all called on an individual level to come out of sin, to come out of the world. But he doesn't just call us out by ourselves uh, to live on some, you know, 40 acres out in the middle of Nevada by ourselves. That's not that's not what God does. God calls you out of sin, out of the world, and he puts you part of a body of other people that have been called out of sin, called out of the world and called into the church. Isolation says separate yourself. It says, it says isolate yourself from everybody and everything and just be a hermit. But separation calls you out from everybody else closer to God. God calls his priests, the Levites, he called them out from the rest of the tribe closer to be a special people to himself. And the Bible says we are a nation of kings and priests. Amen. We are a holy people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light for the express purpose that that separation would now shine a bright light on how good God is. Amen. So the people that have gone what they call separation where they just they just seclude themselves. That's not biblical separation. That's isolation. And, and, and it's us four and no more and nobody saved. No, the very reason God separates us is so he can have a peculiar people for his name. And we get closer to him. And then when God knows he has us and we know God and he knows us, we go back into a lost and dying world and we show forth the praises of him that's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And everybody said amen. Amen. Chapter of Genesis chapter 13. So God calls Abram to separation as he calls us. And we all walk in that separation. Chapter 13. And verse 14. He finally separates himself from Lot. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him. God had not spoken to him since the first time he spoke to him. Well, God, where are you at? Well, have you obeyed the last thing he told you? There's so many people that want a fresh word from God, but they've not been obedient to the last word. Preacher, preach me a fresh word. I got old bread for you. I got stale bread for you because you're not obeying the last thing God told you. And, well, God, hurry up and speak. And I also say this about the voice of God. People think God speaks every five minutes. That might be the case for you, but it's not the case in the Bible, and it's not the case for most people. I believe we can be led by the Spirit, but, but if the voice of God comes to your life, there should be change in your life. Well, God told me. God told me. Last time I checked, when God said, let there be light, light obeyed, and immediately the entire world that was covered in darkness became covered in light. There was an immediate shift and an immediate change. When people are like, well, God spoke to me. What changes have been made in your life? Or did you speak to you and call it God? Hallelujah. Well, that's for free. Amen. We got to be careful because I do believe God speaks. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misquote me. God does speak. God absolutely speaks in this generation. Amen. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the Lord will speak to you. But he never speaks to you without, without there being a, an effect in your life. Every time God speaks, he speaks for the, fact of, uh, for the effect of change. He's trying to produce change in your life. So he doesn't speak to Abram for a while. Abram 
thinking I'm in the will of God. He's walking around. He's got Lot. He's fighting battles. He's taking out. Uh, he's taking out, taking out uh, the, the the king of Sodom. He's doing all these different things, and he's really doing it all by himself. He's fighting battles he would have never fought if he had just obeyed God in the first place. But the Bible says that he just he just kept walking. And now that Lot separated, the Lord spoke to him and said, "Lift up thine eyes and look toward the place where thou art, northward, southward." eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee I will give it to thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed be numbered also arise and walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the land of the plain of Mamre which is in Hebron and built there an altar unto the Lord. As soon as Lot was separated from Abram, God began to speak to Abram and confirmed his promise that he had already given to him. It was now that God began to give Abram direction. If you need direction in your life, it could be you need to go further in separation. Amen. Separation will often lead to direction from God. When God calls you out, obey him. When God speaks to you, obey him. And when you obey him, that's when you'll start getting direction from God. This would have been done sooner if Abram would have listened to God and just left Lot behind. We have not heard from God in a while. It's probably because we've not listened to the last word. But Abram has started listening to God, and now he's getting a promise. Now I want you to notice this first promise. God tells him, this is the first time he promises that he had already promised in chapter 12, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a heritage. I'm going to give you children. He told him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But now he tells him that the children that are going to come from you, the promise, I'm reaffirming my promise to you. It's going to be like the dust of the earth. I want you to notice that. Chapter 15, if you would. The promise of blessing came by walking in faith. He said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have children that are going to be like the sand of the seashore, like the dust of the earth. It is innumerable. He is, he is telling him, your physical children, I'm going to multiply them. Okay? Verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 1. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thine exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, uh, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? He's saying, God, I thank you. Again, God's speaking to him again after many years of walking in faith and not seeing the promise. Because a walk of faith doesn't mean it happens right away. And there are so many people, well, Pastor, I'm trying to walk by faith. And what they're really doing is they're walking uh, according to what they think the outcome's going to be. And I'm walking for five years as long as the outcome happens in five years. And I'm walking as long as it happens in this time frame. That's not how God works. The walk of faith is not based on the outcome. It simply says, God, you said to go. You said to move. That's what I'm doing. And Abram just started walking. And everywhere his foot touched, God said, I'm going to give it to you for an inheritance and he started walking and walking and walking and when God finally shows up he's thinking all right this is time God's going to do it and God says don't be afraid I am your shield exceeding great reward okay God 
but what about what you've already promised me? I go childless. And this steward of my house, Eliezer of Damascus, he's going to be he's going to be my heir. And Abram said, behold, to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He's saying, I, I don't even have any kids and everything you bless me. What good is another blessing? He said, I got cattle. I've got all of this land around me. I'm blessed beyond measure. You've already fulfilled that part of the promise. But what good is it? If I die today, I've got to give it over to one of my servants, to one of my slaves. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. He's reminding him, it's not going to come, amen, through one of your servants. It's not going to come by the way, way of man. It's going to come by the way of God. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Notice this, verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said to them, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. He tells Abram, Abram, because you've taken my call, and you've stepped out, and you've walked out in separation, and you're walking by faith. Your children are going to be as innumerable as the dust of the earth. This is a symbolism that he's going to have physical children and these physical children are going to inherit the earth and they are going to be blessed and I want to tell you in this current society amen 23 and me is letting everybody know amen just how much of the children of Abraham they really are <laughs> you just go back and you find out real quick you're probably related to Abram amen it's innumerable when you take the children that came from Abram how many populate the world today the children of Abram are innumerable in the past, the present, and the future. But then he tells them, and he gives them a spiritual moment, and he says, now look towards the heavens. Hallelujah. And there's people that are coming that are not based in earth, but they're based in heaven, and they're just as innumerable as the dust of the earth. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what that is saying. He's saying, yes, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have a physical children, and you're going to have physical nations, and there are going to be kings and priests that are going to come out of you physically. But one day, there's coming a church of the living God, even that is not based on earth, but it's based in heaven, and you can't enumerate them, and you can't count them, and they're as innumerable as the stars of the heaven. I want to tell you, every one of us that's in church today, you may not be physically related to Abram but spiritually Galatians says we're all children of Abraham by faith and we are all children of Abraham through Jesus Christ amen and it's not a kingdom here on earth but it's a kingdom in the heavens somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise hallelujah hallelujah we are all part of this kingdom now the promise to Abram has become the promise to us. We'll talk about that in, in depth at another time. Amen. In, in the coming Bible studies of the blessing that's upon Abraham. But to quickly state it, when Abram pledged his life to God, he got a threefold promise. Amen. And that threefold promise is available to us by faith. Financial blessing. Everybody said amen. Physical blessing. Everybody said amen. And everybody say spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. The call of God always has risks. 
but it also has great rewards. God doesn't just call people out of stuff. He calls people into stuff. Hallelujah. When he called them out of the land of the Earl of the Chaldees, he said, I'm going to give you physical children like the dust. But when he said, I'm, I'm going to call you into the land, he said, I'm going to give you children. Amen. I'm going to call you into a spiritual blessing. Amen. Abram went in faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7 simply states this. For we walk by faith and not by sight. If you go to, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, I want to requote that for those who write notes. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. You want the blessing of Abraham? You got to stop walking in the flesh. Hallelujah. If you want the blessing of Abraham, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. You got to learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. When your carnal mind starts playing tricks on you, you got to get spiritually minded, which is life. Hallelujah. It's time to get back to the altar. It's time to get back to church. It's time to get back to worship. It's time to get back to a prayer meeting. Amen. I want to tell you, that's where life is found. That's where blessings found. And everybody said amen. We're done here. But Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Everybody say, by faith. You don't accomplish a whole lot by pessimism. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't, you, don't, you don't really do a whole lot by logic. Amen. I think that we need to have a little bit of everything. But by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Here's the key. Obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. I've got, I've got a call of God, preacher. I'm sure you do. But what's your obedience level? Well, I've got a promise from God. I believe you. But what's your obedience level? You will never receive the promise of God if you have a low obedience level. Well, I've been, I'm a, I'm, he told me, you know, I'll never forget, I won't mention, I had, I, my brother got up and testified one day, and he said, I'm going to be a missionary to Japan. And I, I, listen, I'm not making fun of him. I believe that that's what he felt. But his obedience didn't match his profession. Amen. And maybe God will turn around and turn him into a missionary. I pray for that. That'd be awesome. But you, you can't have this great profession, tell everybody, I'm going to be all these great things, great swelling words, and have a very low obedience level. You cannot reach the apex of the will of God. I'm off here in a tangent, but it's good anyways. You can't reach the apex of the will of God in your life if you have a low obedience level. The people that are called of God have to have a greater level of obedience. I'm not less obedient because I'm the pastor. <laughs> I've got to have a higher level of obedience than you have. I'm not less submitted because now I'm the pastor. I have to have a higher level of, of, of submission uh, than I've ever had. I'm not less consecrated now than I'm the pastor. I have to be more consecrated than I ever have been. I want to tell you, if you're ever going to fulfill the will of God by faith, you've got to also walk by obedience. That means whatever God tells you to do, you just do it. You, you, you might have a problem with it at the minute, but you say, God, you said to walk. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it because that's what you said. And everybody said amen. He went out. He obeyed. He went out. Here's the key, though. Not knowing where he went. You know, there's people that you could get them to do or go anywhere if you give them exact directions. You tell them, all right, man, all right, I feel the call of God. Now give me A through Z on what it's going to take. And you look at them and say, well, you're going to have to walk by faith. And they get discouraged. Well, what, what do you mean? 
Well, I wish I could give you A to Z, but I hadn't got to Z yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> All I know is that when you get to B, obey B. And when you get to C, obey C. And when you get to D, obey D. You just got to keep living in obedience. But this is where a lot of people struggle in the walk of faith, in walking in the spirit. They're okay obeying God as long as A, they know exactly what, what, what God wants from them the whole way through. And number two, if they, if they, uh, if they, if it matches what they want to do, as long as the will of God matches with the will of Evan Hood, we're good. I want the will of me. Amen. People say they want the will of God. Sometimes the will of God is, uh, is, is Peter being crucified upside down. You don't always want the will of God. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't always want the will of God. I often want the will of me, and I want the will of God to match. But, but if I don't have exact directions, it is, it is an act of faith to say, okay, God, I don't know exactly, but I'm going to obey what you've told me now. And I'm going to take a step. This is Peter saying, I don't know if the water is going to be solid, but the step of faith that says whether it's solid or not, I'm going to step out onto it. That is the walk of faith. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I know exactly what my attitude is going to be. I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to walk by faith. And everybody said amen. He walked by faith. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and with Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew what he was looking for. And I want to end on, on this walk of faith. And just talk to everybody here today. When God calls you out, he calls you out of things. He'll call you out of sin. He'll call you out of unrighteousness. But he'll also call you into a promised land. And he'll call you into a calling. And he'll call you into an anointing. And he'll call you into a ministry. Everybody's got a ministry in the kingdom of God. But it has to have a high obedience level. But if you don't know where you're going, you better know what you're looking for. And the only way you know what you're looking for is this how God works. God will call and he puts, he puts sometimes the end result or ten steps ahead in front of you. And you think, oh my goodness, how am I going to get there? You feel God say, all right, I want you to be a business owner. Let's talk, let's talk to everybody for a moment. I, I want you to be a business owner. And, and this is, this is kind of how it's going to work out. You, you haven't got your LLC yet. You don't know one thing about budgeting, but you know that's what God's called you to do. And so God gives you this image, and that's, that's what you know you're looking for. So when you show up to places like Egypt, you say, this ain't it. Amen. God calls you into a ministry, and he gives you kind of a, a, a glimpse. He doesn't give you everything. He doesn't give you all the details. He just gives you a glimpse so that when you encounter a, a counterfeit, you realize this ain't it. That, that's not what God has for me. And you keep on moving. And people like Lot, they don't have that kind of vision. They just want to stay in Egypt. They want to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. They want to go to all these other things. But when you walk by faith, God gives you a glimpse. God gives you an image. God says, hey, you got to go here. you got to do this. Amen. He doesn't give you every step along the way. But you start walking in obedience to every word that God ever says to you. And, and you don't have to worry about the outcome if you focus on the process. 
And the process says one foot of faith in front of another, one step of obedience after another, and you keep obeying every word of God that you see in this book. You ob- you start following, amen. If it's preached, amen. I'm going to put that and make that part of my life. Uh, if I get it in a prayer meeting, I'm writing it down, and I'm going to start letting it change who I am. Uh, if I read it in the word of God, I'm going to start engrafting it and engraving it, and I'm going to start walking it by faith. Hallelujah. Let's stand across the building and let's lift up our hands. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. Hallelujah. It's when we step out of human government and we step into the government of the spirit and we step out of just doing things the way we've done them and we start walking no longer in our flesh but we start walking by our faith and we stop walking by our carnal thinking and we start walking in our spiritual thinking and we say, God, I want to do your will, oh God, and I want to follow you. Well, it takes stepping out in faith. It takes coming out. It takes separating yourself out of some things. It takes separating yourself into some things. It takes walking by obedience and walking by faith faith. I don't always know where I'm going, but I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for the perfect will of God in my life. I'm looking I'm looking for a place with foundations. Hallelujah. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The call of God, the call of God is for everyone. There's an immediate call. It's the call of separation. Come out from among them, be separate. It's come out of sin. It's come be baptized. It's come to the altar. That's the call everybody gets. But then there's an individual call, and that's the call into a land, into a calling. To some, it's the ministry of, it's a fivefold ministry. To, to some, it's the ministry of helps. To others, it's it's ministry in the gifts of the Spirit. To others, it's it's the ministry of reconciliation, where we're we're going out and we're finding other people. It's it's there's a ministry that God has given to each and every individual. To some, it's man, you're going to be you're blessed to be a blessing. God's going to give you. Uh, there were some people in the Bible; they were gifted in all all types of working of metal. God has gifted some people with very specific talents, and he's anointed you for that. And that's going to be the avenue in which you are going to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, and you're going to win people. There's some folks uh, back home, we had some folks start businesses, and that business became a financial blessing in the kingdom, but then it also became a blessing when they started bringing their employees to church. And they became a blessing in all those ways. And they were as called of God to do that as I am called to be a pastor. But they saw a glimpse from God. And they said, all right, that's what I'm going for. And every time there came something along the way that was not lining up. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I didn't come to minister, but here I am. Uh, they, they saw something, and it didn't line up with what God is calling. They just kept walking in faith and walking in obedience. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I feel the, I feel the stop right there. I feel like somebody needs to pray about it. It's time to walk by faith, not by sight, not by observation, not by human ingenuity, not by your own thought process. It's time to say, God, you've called me out. There's some folks here tonight that God is calling you out of some things. He's calling some things to come out of your home, to come out of your heart, to come out of your life. And there's others here today that God is calling to you, and he's calling you into some things. But it's going to take faith, and it's going to take obedience. I want to open up this altar if you'd like to come and pray. Maybe while I'm talking, you immediately started being reminded of some things that God has been speaking to you. 
I want to encourage you, step out of the flesh, step into faith. Step out of observation and step into faith. Uh, step out of eyesight and what you see and what, what it lines up with and step in the realm of faith that says, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for, I'm looking to get into the kingdom. I'm looking to move in the kingdom. Somebody pray. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Jesus' name. As people of God, we're called to walk in the Spirit. We're called to walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. It's a walk of faith now. You're no longer walking in the flesh. You're walking by faith. And walking by faith doesn't mean you have all of the all of the know-how and doesn't mean you have all of the steps. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is you're just going to keep moving. You're just going to keep moving in obedience. And every area that God calls me out, I'm going to say yes. And every area God's calling me in, I'm just going to say yes. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray in this building in Jesus' name. In the journey of life, there are winding roads, mountains high, and valleys low. Though the Come on, that's it. If God's calling you, just say yes. I will be what just you obey Him. You don't have to have every step lined out. You don't have to know everything that's going to happen. You just, God, you're speaking to me. And I'm going to say yes. Doesn't always make sense to me, but I'm going to say yes. It might be difficult, but I'm going to say yes. I'll see.
Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands all across this building. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're still calling people. Hallelujah. Come on, the entire nation of Israel started by the call to one man. Started by the call to one man. The church of the living God started with a call. Amen. Jesus into the wilderness. I want to tell you, amen, and it starts here today with you being maybe the first one out of your family to say yes to the call. It'll lead others. It'll lead others in your family. Hallelujah. There's blessings that follow people that come out and just obey him. There's blessings that follow people that separate themselves out of and into. In Jesus, Lord, we worship you. Father, we thank you here today. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would help us to answer the call of God in our lives, the call of separation. It might be something in our lives we need to be separated out of, friends, family, bad behaviors, sins, things like that. I pray God help us to obey you in that. There might be some other things, some callings you, you place on our lives, separating us into some things. I pray, God, that you'd help us to say yes to those as well. And even when we don't have all the steps, we just obey the step that you've given to us. And we say yes in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Don't forget Sunday service, 1.30 p.m. Let's get ready to invite some folks to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you.